If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. Change Physician, episode 144. Hey folks, welcome back to The Change Physician. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Kukara, with my Amazeballs co-host, Dr. Melissa Katie. And today we also have an Amazeballs guest. This is Dr. Kelly Casperson. Dr. Casperson is a urologist in private practice, um, so treating all the interesting conditions. But one of the reasons that we wanted her on is Dr. Casperson also, also has a fantastic podcast called You Are Not Broken. Um, it is about a topic which is crucially important that we do not talk about enough in today's society, which is sex. Uh, and we will get into that and more. But Dr. Casperson, it is absolutely a pleasure to have you on The Change Physician. Thanks for having me, you guys. So we always ask our guests to really start off is, is the kind of the fundamental question here is, is, why did you go into medicine? You had a choice of things. So why did you do this? Didn't we all just say we wanted to help people? Um, <laughs> I... I was just a smart kid, you know, and uh, that's kind of what smart kids did. I think I'm pretty darn compassionate and empathetic. Um, I always wanted to figure things out. I read like the entire encyclopedia in my house that we had. So I was always incredibly curious. So it just kind of was very a natural sorting hat for me. Yeah. So did you know that early on then, or was it something that you grew into either in college or thereabouts? My mom told me that very early on, I said I wanted to be a doctor. I don't remember that. Okay. But like when I graduated from med school, she's like, yeah, when you were seven, you said you wanted to be a doctor. And I'm like, no, okay. <laughs> so I think it was, there, it was something was always there. My, my six-year-old now, literally yesterday, we were talking about, you know, things she could be. And she's like, I want to be every job in the world except for yours. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, why? And she's like, because the insides of people are gross. And I'm like, well, I think I thought that too at, at some point. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you have this curiosity and kind of this early path that you're not even aware of. Did you then just track directly into it from, from undergrad, then directly into medical school? And then when you're there, did you find that your thoughts about what medical school would like kind of confirm that? Or was there any challenges that you faced in that, that kind of path? So I took a year off between undergrad and med school because I think I hadn't really like locked it in, like committed to going to med school. I think I needed to work on my confidence, right? Like I didn't know anybody who was a doctor. I had no role models, let alone female role models. And so like the confidence of like, yeah, you're actually smart enough and you can get in. I had to like work on that. My mom again was pivotal. At one point she's like, just commit to doing it and do it. You need to commit or it's not gonna happen. And I like remember that conversation in a car that really locked it in for me. So I took a year off, went to Big Sky, Montana, waitress, made a bunch of tips. Um, so it was lovely, a lovely real life experience for me. And then I actually started out MD, PhD. Again, I grew up from in a very poor family, the concept of paying for med school. And this is like a decade ago when it was cheaper than it is now. But like the concept of having to pay that much money for me when it could be free with an MD, PhD. So I did MD, PhD. Um, and then like you take biochem classes during your second year of med school, like you're literally doing PhD classes in med school, which now sounds insane to me, but I was like, that's what you do. That's how you get it free. And I was like, I don't want to be a researcher. I hate microscopes. Um, I hate writing grants. 
Like there was nothing about the PhD that was like really a calling for me. So I dropped out of that, just got the MD, became a urologist. Hmm. Did you have to go back yeah. and pay since you dropped out of the PhD? No, that's the big secret. <laughs> so I am, I am interested in finance. I'm de decently financially savvy, but only in hindsight was I was like, well, that was a nice way to get two years covered. Yeah. But you, you, you kind of jumped into urology. I mean, you say, well, I went in and chose urology. That is historically- That was an accident. Been, well, it's a, and it's a male dominant field historically. Yeah. Historically, so how to- well, Right now it's 10% female. We just hit 10% in America. Wow. Yeah. So it's very male dominated. Um, I did two weeks, you know, you do your surgery things. Mm -hmm. I did two weeks very early in third year. Loved the urologist. They're hilarious. They're like the coolest people they could sit down when they operated their surgeries were short and like the other thing i really liked about it is the instant gratification is like you have a kidney stone it's gone you have a bladder tumor it's gone and all i was seeing in like internal med and family med was like well try to stop smoking and let's adjust your lisinopril and i'm like that's not enough for me like i need the big highs you know for the day and so i was like okay well i'll just do whatever beats urology then and so i spent third year going through it just being like nope 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 Wow. Huh. When, so when did you do urology rotation? Like, Beginning of third year, because it was one oh. of my two surgery subspecialties. So That's super interesting. When did you do your anesthesia rotation, Melissa? Um, when did I do it? Yeah. I, uh, I never, I never had an anesthesia rotation. And like, I mean, you're talking about medical school? Yeah, because you know, like, your, your experience kind of parallels mine, Kelly, is so I did um, I did the internal medicine the first month in, in third year and I hated it. And then I did surgery my second month and it was a two week rotation of anesthesia and I loved it. And so I spent the vast more of my time, like doing the same thing you did, but it was like, this is an, oh, this is cool, but it's not anesthesia. Oh, this is cool, but it's not anesthesia. So. Yeah. yeah mine, uh, I, my, my anesthesia exposure is more after I did a general surgery internship that I never planned <laughs> on doing. <laughs> <laughs> that that was totally different but no urology i wish i had done a rotation um later maybe in an internship because that is one of the fields that i i would consider and you know, looking back on it when you look back there's always like ah you know i could have seen myself doing that yeah and i think i mean i had to get the again no i had no role models i didn't know any doctors when i started med school i didn't now i didn't know any surgeons like surgeons to me were like old white men like yeah. I had no, I literally, that's all I saw, right? Yeah. So like to get the confidence to be like, I think I want to do urology. I'd like my then boyfriend, I was like, if I get into urology, like I'll buy you a pair of skis. It was kind of like this bet of like getting the confidence to do it. And then we broke up and he never got any skis from me. <laughs> but I matched in urology. <laughs> I gotta... That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I got to say the urologists that I worked with were pretty damn cool and fun too. So I don't know if that's just a, you know, happens to be that it's feeling. Pr uh, it's pretty universal, man. Like yeah. you can't take yourself too seriously. You're just looking at genitals all day long. Yeah. I, I, I would have, I probably would have loved that too. But anyway, hindsight. Hindsight. So you match into urology and then what happened there? Did you enjoy residency or because there's a lot of people that then struggle or at least in the Facebook groups, you'll see the physicians. Oh, my God. You know, what did I sign up for? So so urology doesn't suffer yeah, from so that? So urology or? is six years. That mm -hmm. program, most programs are now five years, but I had a six year program. Um, but it was, it was in Denver and you'd rather have six years in Denver than five in Detroit, you know, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that was, you know, I was I was happy with Denver. It was it, it was my number one match, even though it was six years. Um, very, it was very hard. I remember it being very very hard. Uh, on call every other night for third year, um, but it was incredible training. It gave me the gift of being able to do this as long as I want to do it. Like I, I'm actually very very grateful. But I would say it was very very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was like, and you know, I remember being like fourth or fifth year, I was like, if I quit now, like, what could I do? Right? Like, I remember thinking that. Yeah. And then there was a there was a female urologist who was in private practice. And I remember her saying, like, I, she said, I sat in my car every morning and cried before I went into the hospital. And I was like, okay, it's not that bad for me. I think I'll stick it out right now. Like, that was my like bar. I was like, I'm not crying every day. So I'll keep going. <laughs> Yeah. You know, for people that are not, maybe that are not physicians listening or just maybe kind of put your own words to it. You know, I think about even my husband's not in the medical field and a lot of other friends aren't. How would you describe why someone like that would, you know, cry every morning in their car or you'd have those moments of thoughts of like, if I quit now, like, what do you think it is that contributes to that state? I mean, I, I can give my two cents, but I'm curious how you would put it. Like why we keep going when we think that? <laughs> yeah, like, like why do we think that in the first place? Why is it so hard? Like what is it that's so hard about it that puts you in that place? Or why do you think that? It's just all immersive for years upon years. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no time off. There's no, like I, the, the amount of family weddings I had to miss and like all that, like you, li- I don't know how women, I know how men have babies in residency. I don't know how women have, I, and I didn't. And it's probably, I had my babies after residency, which was the right decision for me. But I'm like, it's so, there's no time for anything else. It's just the culture of it, right? And like, when you cry in your car, you think something's wrong with you, not the system, right? Like, again, that's part of the system being like, there's something wrong with you for crying in the car instead of like, what, what is this, what we're doing to these people? Yeah, yeah. It we can be so isolating. I was going to say, we had two. My wife's a physician. Yeah. And I, I actually will, we've talked about it. I'm like, I don't know how the hell we did this. Like, <laughs> like looking back, I'm like, I have no idea. We had one during internship and then one during um, her third year. And then, which was my CA2 year. So my third year of anesthesia, third year of residency, second year of anesthesia. But yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's insane. But you did say one thing that I thought was really kind of important, though, because I remember thinking this, too, is like you get to the point you've invested so much time and money and you go, well, if I quit now, what else am I going to do? And I'm kind of curious. I wonder how many people finish residency and that's the major issue. And that may be a good thing. Like like we haven't gotten to your life now, but I'm assuming that you were glad that you finished your residency. Super, super glad. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard and we know it's hard, but in the same token, if it was easy to quit, maybe we would have lost a lot of good docs. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I mean, I think it's the other thing is like you do one thing for so long. You can't, that's why you can't actually conceive that there's something else that you could do. Mm -hmm. Um, Not thinking like, do you know your work ethic and how smart you are to get yourself in this situation in the first place? Right? Like, of course you can do something else. You're like, I have no talents. And you're like, actually, like, you're amazing for even being here. Yeah. It, that's something we talk about a lot, how we minimize our value, because we've kind of normalized, because the culture we're in is that a lot of people are like that around us. <laughs> yep. so, so you don't create a discrepancy um, amongst each other as much. Yeah. yeah. 
And it's the culture, right? The, the grind culture of mm -hmm. like, you don't quit. Just give me more. You have more work for me to do? Give it to me. Yeah. And I luckily you're more. like usually in your 20s when you do residency. So like you've got stamina on your side. I'm like, when, in my 40s, I would be like, forget you guys. I'm out, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. But yeah. it, I, we have a, we had a couple older students in my school and one of them is a good friend of ours. He was like 45, I think when he started 40 something, he was, so he's late forties when he was doing his residency and he, he, it was hard. And then, so I'm the same age now as he was in, in his residency. And all I can think of is, oh my God, I couldn't even imagine doing overnight call like Q3, Q2. Oh my God. I yeah. would, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Ugh, crazy. You, have so you, you finish residency and you go out into the world. And so what were your experiences and was there any any conflict there or did you just transition easily into into urology and and say yeah i'm still in my my same job <laughs> nine years later that's, that's and that's, and we need to so we need to highlight that for again people who don't know that's not common either it's not common <laughs> yeah most people most people what 50 percent of people switch jobs in the first year it's it's very very high mm -hmm. my my first job that i'm in is very different now than when i started right mm -hmm nine years in but uh still the first job so I, I joined actually joined my chief resident he moved out here from because we were in denver and uh he moved out here he was three years ahead and he uh kept kind of calling every once in a while and i was like i don't know i'm not, not pacific northwest north of seattle like i'm sure i won't like the rain and uh my husband's like why don't we just go and have an adventure and if we hate it we'll leave i'm married to a very logical man and I'm like, that, that sounds great. Let's go. So here I am nine years, nine years later. Like my kids uh, are locals. But so he left, he went to Maui. Um, we actually, me and another partner broke away from like the OG guy, started our own practice, hired two more urologists. We now have three PAs. We built a building in a surgery center. Like it just keeps like getting bigger. We're hiring our fifth urologist next year. We're expanding into the county next to us. Like that's my day job. Wow. Wow. So it, it looks nothing like when I started, but uh -huh. it's still my first job. So your first job. So just, just for the listeners, you Monday through Friday kind of thing, some call, like you do surgery a couple days a week. What, what's your week look like? Since... Four days a week. Well, a week at a time of call calls Q4. Okay. Yeah. okay. Sounds manageable. Yeah, it's manageable. It's manageable. <laughs> Well, you must be doing something right and having a good time if you're expanding and, and adding new new uh, yeah. new colleagues and things like yeah. that. So, I mean, the other the other amazing thing is we're still independent, mm. right? Mm -hmm. is is getting less and less every year. So, is that because of the region that you are in? No, our, we're you're the north only of Seattle, aren't you? No, we're the only independent urologist, like almost left in Washington State. Wow. Yeah. So you do your own billing um, in house. Hmm. That's awesome. Amazing. And predominantly insurance space, I assume. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a whole other conversation there that I was not prepared to go into. Um, but I want to focus on the primary reason because we're obviously the Change Physician podcast and you have a podcast. The question is you have the successful practice, you're super busy, you're expanding, uh, you're doing all the business ventures. So why in the world would you do a podcast? Right. Um, <laughs> I had a life-changing patient and I was bored. Mm. 
So I think both those things, it kind of came together. So I was getting, I think you're seven, you know, the seven year itch, right? Like mm-hmm. you're seven, you're like, am I just going to be seeing recurrent UTIs till like I decide to stop? You know, and you're like, it gets easy at some point, you know, and you're like, Gah. so I was getting a little bit bored. And then I had this patient that um, I cured bladder cancer, like, again, how gratifying. And so it was like her five year checkup, like she had no issue with bladder cancer anymore. We just say hi every year. And she started crying in my office, bawling, crying uh, that she happily married, didn't want to be intimate with her husband at all. And it was making her devastated. And I had no idea what to do. I like, I joke, I, the only thing I had for her was a box of Kleenex. And I was like, I fed this story of like, we don't know much about women because women are difficult and women are complex. And like, we just don't know. And, and I started being like, is that actually true? Is it actually true that women are so complicated? We don't understand their sexual function. And so I started like reading, I just got some books and went to a conference and started reading. And I'm like, holy, can we swear? Yeah, holy shit. yeah you can. <laughs> like, we know tons about women's sexual health. Like, we know tons about how it works. Like, but doctors don't, right? So where are people going? They're going on, like, you know, they watch porn. That's a crappy education. Uh, America gives us a crappy education. Hollywood's a crappy education. And so I started having this voice in my head that was like, you need to talk. You need to talk. You need to share. Because now I've, like, read all the books, right? You need to talk. You need to talk and you aren't going to make a big enough difference seeing patients in your clinic and furthermore i don't really like seeing sexual dysfunction in my clinic because it's like a 15 minute visit and like sexual health is like okay sit down we're gonna you need to know some things right it's all it's a big conversation and so i'm like okay well as soon as somebody tells me i know enough then i'll have a i'll do a podcast like but i you know i didn't do a fellowship in sexual health right so like who am i and I had this like lightning strike me in the bathroom and it was with a voice and the voice is like, nobody's coming to tell you that you can do this. Nobody's coming. And I'm like, well, better learn how to podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very cool story, right? Like of like being bored and having the right thing and being curious and then giving yourself permission to be the expert. And uh, it's been like massively successful. I'm in top of the charts. I always, I joke cause I like want it. I, I don't want to believe that like this is actually happening. I'm like, if you want to get to the top of the charts, you know, talk about sex. Cause it's a, it's, it's a <laughs> lot harder to get on the top of the charts than like entrepreneurship or something, but top of the charts internationally in the category of sexuality, like talking to producers now with big, big names behind them. Uh, I have a book coming out next year. Like, it's insane. All because I finally was like, nobody's going to tell you you should do this. Like, mm-hmm. stop waiting for permission. Yeah. That's what we need to tell doctors. Stop waiting for permission. Do the thing. Uh, and stop waiting for permission. And, and you do know enough. Like the whole imposter mm. syndrome thing, right? Because, you're, yeah. you know, what you may not have known when you started, but you had the critical learning theory that you could go in there and actually learn, right? You yeah. knew how to learn. Doctors and that's, a, we know how to learn. And that's a skill set. A lot of people don't know how to have. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. So what was it like with your first episode? Like- uh, I was on my phone and I bought a little <laughs> mic that went into my phone. Now I'm like, look at my soundproofing. You know, like my computer just died on you, but I put a little <laughs> mic in my phone and I just like dictated like, you know, this is Dr. Casperson. This is my first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's so awesome. You know what it reminds you know when you said all this right then it just reminded me of when your mother said just commit just just do it it reminded me of that moment where the light bulb went on you just had to go to medical school and try it Um, so similar transition just do it it's crazy and you know there's a, a lot of doctors reach out to me now and they're like a doctor who's a very good friend now she's like can i call you can i ask you how and i'm she's like how do i start a podcast and i'm like you just start a Do podcast. Like, <laughs> like literally, she was, and I'm like, it sounds kind of like an asshole thing to say, but literally you just decide to start a podcast. That's yeah. like the barrier to entry now. Like we're all sitting in our homes with like amazing tech. Yeah. You couldn't like, ask you for need, more. You don't need a producer. You don't need, you know, a production company. It's a, you just literally start a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Upload it in some program and it'll spew it out everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> That's so great. And then all of a sudden you're number three in Botswana and you're like, how does, how does this happen? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I didn't even well, think about that. that. That's amazing though. You know, because you're, you're not only hitting the people in the U S is with, with the reach of the podcast, there's people in countries that probably this may be some of the best information, high quality education that they're getting. Yeah. When I, yeah. when I started hitting the charts in Saudi Arabia and Egypt, um, like all the time I get, you know, thing like people will be like, thank you so much, blah, 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 because of you X, Y, Z. Um, and it always just kind of keeps me going. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I started hitting the top in Egypt and Saudi Arabia, I'm like, I have to keep going. I'm getting into these countries. There are women there that need me. There are men there that need me. Like, so that was, that was huge. Those were big countries for me. Yeah. You know, we were speaking earlier how it's kind of like people are ashamed to talk about things. But you think about some of these countries out there that even a woman to speak their mind or their give a voice to themselves is, you know, not allowed um, to be able to get this kind of information. um, I can only imagine this is very sought out when there's no other place or person to find that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in America, like it's I didn't realize my privilege until I started doing this because to see women, it's their seventh doctor they go to, it's their fourth doctor they go to. It's like, they're struggling to get help. And for me to realize like, I can navigate the system pretty well now, mm-hmm. right? Like I've got friends who are surgeons and like, I know how to get things done and I know how to self-advocate. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really realize that until I just hear women's stories over and over and over again of like, they just can't, or they don't know how to talk to their doctor, or they don't know they should get a second opinion. Or like, I'm just hearing the struggle more than I have ever heard the struggle because I'm now in this position to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I just got an idea for an episode. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, if you had something, go ahead. Well, I was just going to add because what I, 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 we don't want to take too much of your time for this first episode here. And so I, there's so much more we can talk about. What I would really like to hear, though, particularly for our listeners, is just expanding on what are the top three takeaways beyond the ones that we already said that you really found that were unexpected when you started your podcast? Like you, yeah, um, you started this and you're like, I need to talk. But what were like the top three takeaways that, that you think other physicians, and particularly if they're interested in a podcast, need to know other than, you know, just do it? Yeah. And I think number one is like, 
I didn't realize how creative podcasting is and how truly it is my creative outlet now. Like from brainstorming ideas to getting it done to like, what do you want? To, like, it's very a creative endeavor for me. So I finally, and I wouldn't say I ever had a creative endeavor. And so now when people are like, you should create something in your life and how fulfilling it is. And I'm like, oh, I get that now. Like, it's <laughs> so fulfilling to have this creative and, and it doesn't have to be podcasting. It can be like creating anything, but like creating something and to think like, Two years in, I've got producers talking to me about something I cre I created it. It's just, it didn't exist until I decided in the shower that nobody was coming to tell me to do it, right? Like, <laughs> we all have this thing inside of us, which is so cool. Um, another thing because of the sex health stuff, I realizing the brain's the biggest sex organ. And so I'm like, well, I'm really good at the pelvis, but like, I can give you vaginal estrogen, but if you can't change your mind about sex. So I actually went to life coach school to figure out like way more mind work on like, if you just think sex is like dirty and boring and a chore, like don't wonder why you don't have a good sex life, right? And so it's like working on the mind. So I went to life coach school because of it. Um, I started a, like a third business coaching female surgeons because of the life coach school, because I see the need for surgeons and burnout. So I coach them now. So it's like that podcast kind of, it just expanded your world. And the other cool thing about it for doctors to think about, which is kind of sacrilege to like, we're just taught to dedicate and give everything to our job. And it's like, because my everything isn't just my job anymore, my job's more my job and I get to leave it. And I have this world now. Yeah. And like burn, talk about burnout prevention. Cause my job used to be everything. And now it's like, what? I love urology. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm actually going to keep doing it probably longer because I learned coaching and burnout and I have these other things. And now it's just this one little piece of my life. And it, like, I think saying that to doctors, they're like, it should be your everything. And it's like, don't wonder why you're burnt out then because you're asking everything of your job. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's like my nutshell of like podcasting did that to me. Mm -hmm. I... I love that last thing you just said about just the whole burnout prevention. I think there's just this um, sense that you're, um, if you put all your eggs in one basket, I hate to use that phrase, but it, there's a higher chance, not just of the burnout, but just this, if something happens where you cannot do that particular job, uh, it could be an injury, it could be whatever it is, suddenly you've lost your entire identity. And you've just created this magnificent type of bouquet, so to speak. You have all these different flowers to pick from that are going to can bloom in different ways in different seasons, depending on what you want to do, where you want to put your time. And I think it's just it's a beautiful way to say that this can open up so many doors and can make your life so, so much more fulfilling. And the fact that you have such an impact and a spread throughout the globe um, that's gotta, like you said, it kind of helps solidify that purpose and meaning for you. So I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think people Thanks. should. Yeah, that's that. exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we wind this episode down, Kelly, if there's a specific place that the listeners can learn more about you, where would you like them to go? On Instagram, I'm Kelly Casperson, MD. My website's Kelly Casperson, MD.com. And my podcast is you are not broken. Awesome. Love it. And Melissa, do you want to take us out? Sure. Well, thank you, Kelly, for joining us today on the Change Physician Podcast. You are the epitome of a change physician, but yet still doing your primary 
J-O-B um, and loving everything that you're doing in conjunction with it. So thank you for joining us. And for those of you listening, thank you for joining the Change Position podcast. I'm Melissa Katie, the Challenge Doctor, with my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro. And if you don't know what the Change Position is all about, you can go to thechangeposition.com and join the community there, whether you're a physician or a physician ally. You can check out our podcast and all the venues. Of course, you can see the video on YouTube. We also have an Instagram page to find out when things are upcoming. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for joining us today on the Change Physician Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.